Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Joey Calvez. I want to tell you guys a little bit about the Department of Metahuman Affairs. This one is a story about a team led by a retired sidekick, two felons, a failed actor from Broadway, and a reprogrammed cyborg. But their first mission is to stop the criminals who have robbed a bank, and they will have to set the world at ease. You're going to get 180 pages of entertainment action-packed awesomeness right here in the first six issues in a collected hardcover volume one all you got to do is head on over to kickstarter.com and type in the department of metahuman affairs or dma and check it out right now if you love books as much as i do you should definitely try audible Doing chores and daily errands is so much better when I've got a good audiobook to keep me company. And if you want to try Audible now for a 30-day free trial, you can use my promo code and get two free audiobooks that are yours to keep, no strings attached. And if you choose not to go past the trial period, you still get to keep your books. And if at any time you don't like one of your choices, you can always swap it out for a different book. So if you'd like to support the show and get two free audiobooks, click the link in the show note and get started today. back to the show and thank you for joining me. Apologies for the delay per usual, but I've been having a pretty rough couple of weeks what with having basically dead hands and all. But I did want to get an episode out to you guys before I have surgery, which is this coming Tuesday. So here you go. And I did originally have a different case I was going to cover for this last episode of September. But recently a local story broke pretty big across the nation and it's got me pretty outraged as well as many other people. So I decided to go ahead and push the other one off till next time and go ahead and tell this story. But I do want to warn you that if you're a decent human being, it's probably going to make you super mad. So regardless of whether you're in Alaska or not, you may have actually heard about this case already because it's been everywhere. And But before we're going to get into that story, I'm going to give you some relevant statistics. So for countless decades, Native Alaskan and Native American women have been victims of violent crimes and sexual assault in disproportionately large numbers. So just last year, the FBI reported that while Native Alaskans and Native Americans represent about 0.7 of the missing persons cases in the U.S., they actually only make up 0.4% of the population. And that is just staggering. And up until 2010, when a new law was passed, prosecutors, on average, chose not to prosecute up to half of all known violent crimes that occurred on reservations. But since the 2010 Tribal Law and Order Act was passed, giving tribal leaders more sentencing power, among other things, the number of unprosecuted crimes has been dropping, though at a minute rate. 
Alaska Native women are no better off. Our sexual assault and violent crime rates involving Native Alaskan female victims are beyond belief. And this is partially due to the fact that we have the highest percentage of residents that are either Alaska Native or Native American at nearly 20%. But again, we see disproportionately large numbers because while they make up 20% of the total population of the state, they actually account for over 50% of all of the sexual assault cases that happen in this state. It's horrible. And a lot of these types of crimes take place in villages, which is due to a combination of reasons such as drug and alcohol abuse, familial abuse, and poor policing. We still see kind of a similar thing going on even in our big, in quote marks, cities, of which we have about one and a half. <laughs> and on a previous episode, I discussed the murder of Sophie Sergi that took place at a UAF dorm over two decades ago, and which was never solved. She was an Alaska Native woman from a small village, and many at the time, and still do, think that the case would surely have either been solved or at least pursued much more intensely if the victim had been either white or from a wealthy family. And there's another god-awful case that's really local to me, like a mile away, and I previously covered this and will be covering it in the future, redoing it from the bones up because it's just an incredibly important story and I want to tell it right, and that is the murder of Della Brown. But there are so many reasons why these crimes happen and these people are targeted. But you have to wonder if it's because there often is either no punishment given to the perpetrator or not a very harsh one. And sometimes there's little investigation and often no justice at all. Today we're going to talk about one such case, which is one of the most infuriating cases ever to come through our court system. And I must warn you, it's about to get real gross, awful, and... If you're anything like me, you're probably gonna start grinding your teeth. I will try not to grind my own down to nubs while rehashing this story for you. So on August 8th, 2017, 33-year-old Justin Schneider came across an Alaska Native woman at a gas station and offered her a ride. He claimed that he actually knew who she was and said that he would give her a ride to her boyfriend's house but first he had to swing by the airport where he worked as an air traffic controller because he had to drop something off or something along those lines. Instead, when they arrived at a location where they were supposed to be doing this errand, he got out of the truck and began to strangle her on the side of the road. He told her he was going to kill her, and if she made a noise, her life was over. Now, he's a six foot four, pretty beefy guy. He looks like a caveman. I will refer to him here on out mostly as Cro-Magnon, and she had no real chance of fighting him off. He ended up strangling her until she passed out, and in her last waking moments, she truly thought that she was dying. And after she passed out, this Ted Bundy wannabe motherfucker uh, pleasured himself on her face. When she woke up, he told her that he 
quote, hadn't actually planned to kill her, but was only saying that for his own sick fantasies. Yeah, throw up, huh? He then got in his vehicle and drove away, leaving her on the side of a dark road, because he's a true gentleman. Amazingly, this brave woman had the presence of mind to remember his license plate number, and she quickly called the police with the information, and she was able to easily pick him out of a lineup later. So he was initially charged with four felonies, including kidnapping and two separate different assault charges, plus a misdemeanor. He then spent the next year on house arrest with his wife and kids. Assistant District Attorney Andrew Granick decided to offer him a plea deal that he literally referred to as his one free pass. I'm not even fucking kidding you. On the basis that he had no criminal record. So if he had killed her, what then? First murder is free? The plea involved, and I'm not lying, <laughs> involved him pleading guilty to one count of second degree felony assault in exchange for prosecution dropping all other charges. And guess what his sentence was? And if you guess zero days in prison, then you win a big bag of lost faith in the justice system. He was sentenced to two years with credit for his time served at home with his family, and the other year was suspended. He also doesn't have to register as a sex offender, even though any casual true crime fan can see the warning signs of a blossoming sexual sadist. When initially told this plea deal, the judge, Michael Corey, accepted it. And of course, Cro-Magnon looking motherfucker accepted it and got to walk out of court free. Now, Alaska state officials have responded to the backlash by saying that the prosecutor and judge were operating within normal sentencing guidelines which they were for the second-degree felony, but there was absolutely no one holding a gun to either of their heads, forcing them to create this asinine plea deal. And they also said the plea deal was actually necessary so that he could be compelled to take sex offender classes, despite not actually having made him a registered sex offender, and despite all evidence to the contrary, indicating that someone that commits a violent sex crime is really unlikely to stop. In fact, they generally escalate. And even though he didn't really have a record, his first crime was pretty damn vile. So I feel like you kind of get to skip the slap on the wrist stage. Plus, the dude's in his fucking 30s. He's not like a 17-year-old child. Anyways, keep that barf bag handy because the hits keep coming. In court, the judge told Cro-Magnon that... This can never happen again, as though he were a father admonishing his rascal son over a speeding ticket. But it's okay, since Cromag lost his fancy air traffic controller job, the judge and ADA consider that to be a life sentence. And I'm not even fucking kidding you on this. Him getting fired was his life sentence for nearly murder. And there was no mention of the victim at the sentencing. Keep that in mind. Also, Cromag Fuckface said he appreciated the opportunity to grow as a husband, etc., etc., while on house arrest. I'm glad you were getting a state-sponsored Eat, Pray, Love instead of spending three to five in prison. I feel so confident in my city's justice system right about now. 
Then the judge actually thanked him for going on that journey of enlightenment after nearly fucking murdering someone, you guys. Seriously. So Cro-Mag is free to roam the streets of Anchorage again, looking for more victims to enact crimes on and create yet more learning lessons for himself. Maybe he'll write that sequel novel. However, this case has understandably sparked outrage across the nation. I'm not mad at all, though, in case you couldn't tell. And there are actually elections coming up, and guess who's trying to hold on to his seat? That's right, Judge Michael Corey. And a Facebook grassroots campaign sprung up pretty quickly after this sentence broke in the news. The campaign was started by a young local woman who doesn't know the victim, but feels motivated to do something on behalf of her. I spoke with the founder today. Her name's Elizabeth Williams. I talked to her, asked her about the current plan for this campaign and what the end goal is, all that sort of thing. And she said, we're trying to hold everyone accountable who let this injustice occur. The ADA, the judge, the legislatures. Voting out the judge is the first step. We want to make sure that even if the victim was forgotten in the courtroom, that she will not be forgotten for years to come. That is so well said. Couldn't have said it better myself, though I definitely would have added more F-bombs. So I am, of course, going to post a link to that campaign page on Facebook in the show notes. Please go like and share it. Please, if you're in Alaska especially, get your friends to like it. Share this podcast episode. Just spread the word. Voting comes up on November 6th. We want to get this guy out. So if you're registered to vote in Alaska, please go vote no to Judge Michael Corey on November 6th. Unless literally Hitler is running against him, it should be pretty easy decision. It, I mean, it legitimately scares me that this guy will be out free in town. As I said, most people don't commit one violently sexually motivated crime then just stop. They usually only stop if they're caught or they die or occasionally they get married and start a family and I guess they're too busy changing diapers to go murder? I don't know. Well, this guy already had a family but still felt the need to nearly murder a stranger for his sexual gratification. And I would guess, based on my degree in advanced crime podcasting, that he's more likely to commit another crime after this, quote, sentence. And it will get worse. So, if he becomes the next Israel Keys, Joshua Wade, James Dale Ritchie, Robert Hansen, Thomas Bunday, etc., Alaska serial killers forever, he'll know it might have been stopped if he had received more than a gentle slap on the wrist. So, I would really appreciate it. If everybody, but especially Alaskans, can share this, share that page, spread the word, go fucking vote, vote twice if you can. We can't allow elected officials like Michael Corey to retain their seats once they've made it crystal clear that they aren't providing equal protection to all members of the community. I truly thank God that the victim's name has not been leaked, and I really hope it never is. Like, media people, try to, like, have a little bit of conscience uh, for this one thing but to this nameless victim if you happen to be listening just know that you have thousands of people both in state and across the world in your corner wanting you to get real justice so that's it for tonight's show very sorry about the short episode but I came close to not 
doing any episode, but I really wanted to get this story out there because I felt a little bit passionate about it. So if you guys want to support the show, check out my Patreon page. You're going to get some goodies. You're going to get some Alaskan goodies and some Halloween goodies. And I've got some uh, Halloween boxes uh, getting ready to go. So pretty stoked on it because Halloween is my favorite month. And speaking of all things that go bump in the night, check out my horror podcast, Death Rattle. We added a couple new co-hosts. Still got my old school co-host. Got a couple new episodes in the can that will be coming out pretty soon. So give it a listen if you love listening to Feminist Rage more so than I do in this podcast. So thanks for listening. Hope to get back to you guys sooner than a month from now. Um, gonna say goodnight and leave you with some relaxing, wonderful music while I go smoke a pack of cigarettes and chug 30 beers. Just kidding about the beer part anyway. <laughs>